0: The Around the League Podcast, our heavy-legged wastebenders.
3: Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League Podcast. My name is Dan Hanses, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Chris Wessling, Mark Sessler, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. How are you? Friday. It's Friday. Get excited. Big day. Win West's toaster. Yeah. Later in the show, everyone's excited. The tension in the room right now, waiting on the results. And you got when you have Tyson in Tokyo, that's what I think with Wes, I feel like he's gotten a little overconfident. We'll see if that if that comes through or whether he's actually Tyson in the, you know, Michael Spinks era of his career where he's just destroying everyone and, and he's just yeah. on a roll. One Who note noticed? on Wes.
1: He came into this as raw as anyone on the phone. He's had a chance to go through the crucible three, four times now.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's I like think he's becoming a it's veteran. It's like
2: Jeopardy. The more you win, you have an inherent advantage. You know when to time the buzzer. You know how to. You know what kind of questions they're asking. You kind of know the format. Or maybe I feel
4: like
3: I've earned this. There you go.
4: Maybe you're Tyson just out of jail just facing a bunch of tomato cans who have no business being in the ring. Yeah, you're like, yeah, it's, it's I'm a Wes Tyson. against
3: Peter McNeely.
2: I'm a Tyson without a Robin Givens and
3: a, without a Buster Douglas. <laughs> um, a couple other things. It's As you can tell, listeners, it seems like everyone is hunky-dory in the room after the heat over the Browns at the end of the <laughs> last podcast. Mark, now that you've had a, a chance to simmer down, would you, would you like to say anything?
1: Well, you know, I left uh, the studio feeling that I might have... Gotten a little hot, but um, I texted West right after because you guys were hanging around, but he left, and I just said, yeah. "Listen, pal, uh, we're talking football. Got a little crazy <laughs> in there, but um, I did right. Yeah, it's yeah. like I, I mean it. It's like uh, I didn't want it to <laughs> bubble over, but I listened to it later, and you know what? I think we need more of
4: that. Yeah, heated debate. It was honest. It wasn't manufactured. it was just good football that debate.
3: Was hashtag legit heat. Yeah, and yeah. I liked it. Um, and of course we had before we get into the show, we're gonna do. Some news, we're going to go over a couple of off-season forecasts, and then, of course, we're going to get to win West's toaster at the end of the show. Um, one last thing I was thinking about, when you, we had the Seahawks in, we had Michael Robinson, Brandon Mebane, and Red Bryant. ATL Podcast, ATL Debate Club, Mount Rushmore is a big topic right now. Who's on the Mount Rushmore of guests to, to date right now?
1: If you're if you're gonna take it all the way back, I I'd put Jim Brown's face on
4: that.
3: Jimmy Brown's on there. Right. Richard Sherman's gotta be on there. Uh, My favorite was Brandon Marshall. Brandon Marshall.
4: I'm sick of the Mount Rushmores in general. And this has to be the easiest one to get on ever. There's only been eight to (laughs) ten guests. So it's almost fifty percent. Brandon Marshall's my favorite. Yeah, though. but
3: Brandon Hartline's listening right now, like,
2: what the hell? I mean, David Ely is almost in the conversation for this.
4: Didn't you guys He's talk to Wes Welker? I thought
2: you guys had him on the debate clip. No. That's no. true. We
4: talked to Welker. That wasn't too great. Hart- <laughs> Hartline, uh, Hartline should be happy we just don't mention his involvement in today's other news. So,
3: <laughs> which, which is a nice transition. Uh, the gold standard behind the glass. Let's do some headlines. And we'll start with the Ted Wells Independent Investigation. It was released early this morning um, on the West Coast, about 10 o'clock on the East Coast. And the findings do not paint a very positive picture on Richie Incognito, um, but also Mike Pouncey, John Jerry. It appeared like... Jonathan Martin, or the the findings by Ted Wells is that Jonathan Martin really was the target, as were other people in the building, and there was a toxic culture that Incognito seemed to be the ringleader of. Is that safe to say?
4: That's fair to say. It's odd to me looking back that there were so many reports and the feeling from Incognito's camp that the report would help exonerate him and perhaps everyone would look bad. And I guess that's true to A degree in that everyone also included a couple of incognito's teammates that we didn't hear as much about but Martin was believed to be fully credible all his accusations they believe uh, were to be true and it detailed some other troubling behavior from teammates and from offensive line coach Jim Turner overall just you know, rough. It was about as bad a day as it was gonna be for the Miami Dolphins.
1: It sounds like NFL mandated gumshoe uh, <laughs> slash league mandated Jonathan Martin Prober Ted Wells has released a bombshell that he spent many well, you know days and months uh, and, putting together
3: a hundred and forty-four page report uh, that finally landed. And yeah, I mean, there's let's let's take a step back and and what is going to be the fallout of this report? I mean. Richie Incognito, is no way he, he's going to be back. We kind of knew that. Jonathan Martin, it doesn't seem like there's any way he could come back, um, just, just how big this was. Is Joe Feldman in trouble? I mean, the, the report... What he is, should be. I mean, the, it, it seems like Feldman, it says in the report that he didn't even realize this was happening. I mean, that's quite an indictment for the head coach. It should be. You know, we keep hearing, we heard a lot that
2: coaches don't always, head coach doesn't always know what's going on in the locker room. He can't control everything. You ought to know what your position coach is doing. And if this is extending even beyond the offensive line to an entire culture where there's just no leadership whatsoever, I think that's the most damning thing. When a guy like Incognito is your leader, it's going down a path that shouldn't go
4: down. It's interesting in the report, they Wells was very supportive of Philbin, and they found all of his comments and leadership and things that he tried to do credible. They supported Philbin quite a bit, but then there's the angle that you're taking, West, which I think makes a lot of sense. Judy Batista wrote about it in a good column that basically this is an indictment of Philbin and lacking leadership, and there's an interesting back and forth on November 2nd between Philbin and Incognito, and that's the first time Philbin really confronts Incognito about it. That's pretty late in the game. Incognito totally denies it. Then he talks to the offensive line coach, Turner, who also totally denies it, and Philbin is quoted in the report telling Turner these you know, accusations better not be true. Turner is still employed by the Dolphins at this point. I would think the first fallout, as you said, would be Turner is no longer employed by the Dolphins, but he go. is at this yeah. point.
3: I mean, yeah, he's still employed as of right now. I, I can't imagine that's going to last too much longer. And and one thing about Philbin also, the Dolphins were – the subject of Hard Knocks 2 summers ago and i remember watching film and this is before this is ahead of his rookie season i mean he's very polished the way the things that he says and he's kind of by the book type guy and it seemed like you know so meticulous that he would be picking up gum off the turf of the practice field and uh you know getting on guys for their shoelaces not being tied properly it just seems a little bit there's something there's a disconnect that he would be so um Attention-oriented, and then completely unplugged from his own team and his own coach Jim Turner, who was taking part in some of this hazing that was going on of incognito, excuse me, of, of Martin and other players. I mean, it's outrageous that he that he'll probably get off the hook for this, but at the same time, it, it doesn't seem right that he would have no idea. And
2: Philbin is a his background is offensive line. I mean, am I, am you my think assumption he would is be with those coaches, right. closely. My assumption, not only that, but that he personally brought brought in Jim Turner. That would be my assumption.
1: I think it boils down to, you know, when we when we saw the Denver Broncos under Pat Bolin uh, sweep Josh McDaniels out of there, largely because he was embarrassed by what happened with that meltdown. And, you know, even last week when you get to the point where Haslam was embarrassed by what's happening to his organization, Ross uh, was has not enjoyed this ride. And if his level of embarrassment or if the affront is serious enough, then yes, I think Philbin is in trouble. I mean, it's it's a tough thing for him to have to tackle as a second-year head coach, but he seems to have been lost in the mix here in terms of awareness.
4: I don't think he's in any trouble, though, whether that's right or wrong. I don't agree with that, but I think Ross has decided Philbin's his guy, and he made an entire GM search knowing partly what's going to be in this report and made sure that GMs were on board with Philbin. So it's a mess, but I don't think there's almost any chance Philbin well, What if get the hired.
1: report had been released in you know, November 15th versus uh, February?
4: Maybe that would have changed it, but I think he has dug in and Philbin's his guy.
2: Just to put a cap on this situation, you know, this is very deflating, the Ted Wells report, because this was a story that really challenged people's preconceptions at every twist and turn. That you know, maybe we had Incognito all wrong, and maybe we had Martin all wrong. And you know, the f- the f- the conclusion is, Incognito was a bully all along. Mm.
4: This is such an embarrassment to the NFL. The the things that the players did to the assistant trainer—that was really what was new. And the other unnamed offensive lineman that we didn't really know about uh, ahead of time. You just almost can't believe that it was happening. It was worse than the text messages.
3: Um, if you want to read, obviously, more about the situation, include we can access the entire um, report. Yeah, we have that. We have the original newser, and then
4: we have – I did a summary, which is basically just a collection of quotes uh, of the, I guess, lowlights or, or takeaways from it.
3: Yeah, so check that out on – NFL.com backslash ATL. Moving on, the Detroit Lions cleared some cap space on Thursday, releasing both Louis Delmas and also Nate Burleson. The two moves clear about $10 million in cap space. This is the time of the year when this stuff is getting done, and these two gentlemen now are on the street. Delmas is a good player. Not a great player. It
4: wasn't worth the money. Uh, he's kind of a dying breed in the NFL, the hard-hitting, strong safety that's not great in coverage. But I think some team will find him. He's a starter. He's he's an interesting free agent out there, only 26 years old.
2: New defensive coordinator, Terrell Austin, I think. Right. Uh, mentioned Delmas by name just a few days ago in his introductory press conference, so it's a little bit of a surprise. I wonder if... His, uh, he seemed to have chronic knee problems, and he even admitted before the start of last year his knee just wasn't feeling that well. I wonder if that plays into it They've a little They've talked
1: bit. about it as a possible target for Buffalo if Bird were to go elsewhere, but yeah, it seems like in 90% of, of what we've written about him over the last three seasons are can't stay healthy, can't stay on the field, uh, and they don't even practice the guy during the week, so it's a bit of a risk, I think, if you add him.
4: And it opens up one of the best spots in football, the number two sidekick to Calvin Johnson maybe it'll be Eric Decker maybe it'll be someone interested they're gonna have
3: to sign a free agent and yeah about that I mean Nate Burleson he kind of was in that role longer than he should have been he even said it himself a a year ago when he came into NFL Network Studios and I spoke to him name dropper uh, he said that Titus Young was the guy that was gonna replace him and Mm -hmm. he was just keeping the spot warm and trying to teach him how to play the game that never worked out and now Nate is history. And Burleson's to find
2: a reaching spot. the stage of his career where he's going to have hard time finding a job because he's not good enough to be a number three receiver. Is after the catch skills are gone, and teams don't employ veteran number four receivers who don't play on special teams.
1: We have talked about Decker. Like, where could he go where it would work? Where you don't stick him into a number one role? And you mentioned Detroit, and I agree with that. That that's one complementary role for him. Where it's a Broncos type position potentially. On, on
4: paper, I totally agree. But just thinking about it now. I mean, they're paying Calvin Johnson how much money, and they're gonna. It's just a little crazy to pay. They gotta get a number two, right? But are you gonna pay a guy nine million dollars a year to be you in that pay,
2: spot? You probably pay Nick's a fraction of that.
4: Go get Julian Edelman.
2: No, you're not no, gonna Edelman. overpay for an injury-prone guy who's a system wide receiver.
3: All right, moving on. Interesting tidbit of re- interesting bit of reporting from Ian Rappaport on Wednesday, I believe it was. Um, he reported that the Packers who usually kind of sit out the free agency signing period in terms of importing guys from outside their system. They're going to get aggressive this year, sign as many as five players um, as they attempt to remake their defense, uh, especially their defensive line, in a way that best suits uh, the philosophy of defensive coordinator Dom Capers. Um, I ask you, gentlemen... And also, B.J. Raji, uh, because of that, could be a guy on the chopping block. Uh, Mark Sessler, you brought up a good point uh, yesterday, which I will uh, tee you up on now. Why did it take six years, which is how long Capers has been there, for them to come up with this plan to build the defense to <laughs> right, I guess
1: Number one, it's an organization that said all along, we're committed to not making a huge splash in free agency. And I'm all right with them uh, pivoting on that philosophy because it's overdue, and they need help, and they need help – quicker than what they're getting in the draft but i feel with dom capers that it's it's this continual late january narrative where we have a a mike mccarthy presser where he uh it's not anything to do with my coordinator he's sticking around for another year this defense to me stands out as as one that's underperformed and now half a decade in you're gonna go find players that fit
2: his system what have you been doing I love the I love the original wording of the report. We're going to remake our defense in Dom Capers' image. Yeah. So you're going to remake right. your defense into a 63 year old white right right. man with a with right. a side part Which that looks is what like they look like ceiling. last
3: year. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's a bad idea to try to do that. And whose image was it in before? Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, I you know when I did my roster construction piece, breaking down how each roster in the NFL was was composed, the Packers are so staunchly anti-free agent that the only free agent on the roster was signed in 2006, Ryan Pickett. Every other team in the NFL had at least three or four free agents, some as many as 20.
4: Packers had one. Mm. You shouldn't be so married to any philosophy that you can't look for value in some way. I tend to think coordinators are overrated in, in terms of their importance and that if Capers is a good coach, he's a good coach, and it's more about the players. Have they been well coached? I just think the difference between a – great coordinator i don't know if there's great coordinators that make that big a difference one way or another i think he's a good one and it's really more about the players
3: all right that's it for news we're getting closer to win wes's toaster wes Mm. he's got a glow to him it's confident glow feeling overconfident overconfident. right now
2: i am feeling overconfident right now there's some there's a hubris about me
3: (laughs) see i've been saying that all week uh so it's just a matter of can we find an opponent that is worthy of you um, all right, moving on. We've been doing some uh, looking back at our off-season forecast. We're doing a forecast on all 32 teams on, on the Around the League blog, and I guess we're pulling out certain teams. We're probably not going to hit all of them, right? But we're going to pick some teams, pick and choose. Sounds right. We
4: like to keep the listeners guessing, you know?
3: <laughs> we don't know. That that translation is we have no idea. <laughs> we haven't really thought it that far. But um, we're going to hit up two teams today. I. I'm very excited because might as well start today. Shocker. With the the runner up in the AFC East. That means second place. That's a silver oh, medal. Please. That is a silver medal uh, tie into the Olympics. The New York Jets. All right. So, the, I guess the big picture with the Jets right now, you know, obviously the Keprex Ryan. Um, He's with John Edzik still, and now now they what they have to do after what what was a positive season and a surprising season in terms of finishing eight and eight, which no one predicted, is to rebuild their offense. Um, Wes, I know you made you made note of it in your breakdown of the organizations how they've built their teams. The Jets have been how did you put it, Wes? Almost aggressive. They have aggressively ignored offense. Yeah, they have aggressively ignored offense, especially at the top of drafts. The past five draft picks. Uh, first round picks have all been defensive players. Um, right off the bat, with the combine coming up and then the draft, uh, the, I think the top of this draft, the Jets are going to focus on offense and most likely a wide receiver. They have to completely redo their wide receiver corpse. Um, so look for the offense to be built up, and then you have um, they really the- put the corpse into <laughs> into core. <laughs> corpse, corpse is a word. C O R P S. Pronounced core. Core. No, core is different than corpse. No, no pronounced I understand, core. but it's pronounced core. You guys think you know things, <laughs> and that's what I find funny. But it's, it's
4: funny because corpse they're, they're is with an an e has another meaning, too, so that adds a level
3: of humor to the whole thing. I don't follow any of the humor. <laughs> I don't think any of it's funny. Um, all right, let's get back on track. <laughs> <laughs> uh the biggest free agents for the Jets. There's not a ton of big free agents, but Austin Howard, their right tackle. He's been a sixteen game starter the last two years. Um Manish Mehta of the Daily News reported yesterday that the Jets are actually have begun contract talks with him. Calvin Pace, who's a ten sack guy, he's a free agent. He's also thirty four in October. Um I don't know how much money they're gonna want to invest in that guy. None. And then Zero. you have <laughs> Uh, some other free agents: Willie Colon, the guard, another 16-game starter, Nick Folk, who was an excellent Willie Colon is
1: about 52 years old.
3: <laughs> Tight end Jeff Cumberland, I call him Cumby. Uh, oh, he I would put him in the put him over Cologne. You got to keep Cumby around.
2: This is the worst of so much of free agents <laughs> I've ever seen.
3: Yeah, save, wow, it only gets worse. Ed Reed, who uh, speaking of corpse, Ed Reed, <laughs> Kellen Winslow, and Vlad Ducas. So there's that. Again, this is this kind of to me tells you how did they get to eight and eight if these were impact guys that are hitting. One free thing agencies. about the
1: Jets, like that book that we've all been talking about, Collision Low Crossers, and I know Dan uh, hates I the mean, title. At a
3: certain point, we got to stop plugging well, this book. But it is
1: here is what it. it is though. It's it's um, an in depth look at how much uh, I guess conflict there was between the defense and offensive coaches, uh, you know, just a couple seasons ago, and it is because Brian Schottenheimer and he's no longer there. Uh, that yeah, whole side, that whole side of the Just ball, Rex. though, and that no, but a lot of the personnel are. And in and, and, and Wes is right. They aggressively refuse to add playmakers on offense. They finally have cap room. I'm going to make a prediction. Julian Edelman will be a Jet next season. Mm.
2: Hmm. So, somebody's going to overpay for Julian Edelman.
1: Well, and I think the Jets have the ripe look of we need to a let's get someone who's burnt us over and over. He kind of fits what they do, I think, in terms of that offense.
3: Well, before – yeah, I just also want to mention there are some guys that are also on their way out potentially. Antonio Cromartie has a $15 million salary cap charge, so they might cut him and then try to resign him. I think it would be a mistake to let him go. Santonio Holmes is gone. They're going to cut him and and take the the, the cap money. Mark Sanchez also um, will almost definitely be a cap cut. So those are two – Three big names uh, from their past that are probably going to be out the door. Maybe Cromartie's back.
2: They're reportedly interested in Jeremy Macklin and Emmanuel Sanders, both of whom I think make more sense than Edelman.
4: I think it's not just that they ignore the offense, and it's such a defense-heavy organization, and Rex is always looking for ways to improve and make his defense great while almost ignoring, hey, this other half of the ball – Is important. When they do invest in offense, they keep San Antonio Holmes too long. They trade up for Mark Sanchez. They draft Stephen Hill. So it's a combination of that they haven't known how to look for these players. Do you keep. um, Are you comfortable, Dan, with Geno Smith for 16
1: more
3: games? No. I, I think. Well. Yes and no. I think they definitely need to bring in a veteran quarterback, and I, I don't think the fan base is going to get excited if Matt Schaub comes in. I don't know how logical <laughs> it is. <laughs> West laughed. I don't know how logical it is for Michael Vick uh, with his baggage and his inability to stay healthy. But, Vic, but but who else is there? I know there's not a lot of other options out there. That's what I was going to say. But I don't I don't agree with the idea. And Greg, we talked about it a little bit yesterday, I believe, of the Jets drafting quarterback high again this year, like using another second round pick. Uh, for example, I think you bring in the veteran, uh, even if it's an underwhelming guy and you, you push Gino and hopefully Gino wins the job and then shows you something in year two with more weapons around him. And if he doesn't, and you feel like you put a decent offense around him, then I feel like you, you're confident you could move on and find a real quarterback next year.
4: Right. After you get fired. Cause that's what'll happen. If Gino Smith is a disaster.
3: It's, not a, it's still not a great position for us. It's Rex. hard
1: to look at the Jets with all the holes until we know what they plan to do to film and say, yeah, they're going to improve on 8-8. Eight and eight.
4: Cormarty, I don't think, is going to end up staying. They really love him, and, and maybe they'll value him more than anyone else, but they'll cut him, and he'll be on the free agent mark, and he'll be an interesting guy that other teams will be interested in.
2: Yeah, Th- This defense was ready to win last year, at least the front seven. Yeah. If you make a few changes in the secondary, it makes a lot more sense to have Michael Vick under
4: center than Geno Smith. Yeah. I, if or I five was Jets James fan, until he goes out with a rib injury, I would want Vic. It's kind of a perfect. I like it. Why? And it, you're right. If he does get injured, Wig. they have Geno Smith there.
2: They have Morningweg. Why not? You know? Why not well, pair them was, again? It is funny because I, I was looking back as I was
1: Dan and I were saying to oh, Michael, Vic definitely goes to the Jets. It makes sense. But there was a report last off season that Morningweg and Vic don't connect these two because they left on rough terms and they hmm. don't actually want to work together again. That was a year ago though, so maybe that's all nonsense at
3: this. And point. also, you know, I think that. You need. To, I know the Eagles hit the bull and they dealt with the PR backlash of signing Vic. I don't know if the Jets are going to want to welcome that circus in town because if he signs, uh, all that past stuff with the Dogs is going to come back up in the tabloids, and it's, I feel like it's going to be something that's going to – the Jets are going to have to deal with that negative spin. And I don't what know if they're –
1: Versus uh, Sanchez slash Tebow slash fill-in-the-blank, I mean mm-hmm. –
3: I
2: think the Vic thing is I think the Vic thing is so far gone now that it, there's enough time has passed that I don't think it's going to be a huge circus.
4: Plus you have to account for overcoming the emotional loss of no Cumberland around. <laughs> That's you know true. what I That's mean? A void. And
2: Vlad back. Dukas, who is on my all medieval evil villain team. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Big ugly Think that was his name in a hard knock. Sounds wasn't like he it? came from Pennsylvania. He He ugly. won the King Ugly Combat. Actually, He's he was sized ugly. I think he was second. Actually, was not I don't remember. He was. He finished first, second. I think yeah, first and second. All right, so that's the Jets. <laughs> I, 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 we'll see what happens with them. They, it, it is exciting to follow them this off season though, because they have money. It's very annoying when you follow a team in the off season when they're quote unquote cap strapped, because you know that you're not going to get anything sexy in free agency, and then you just plan on the draft, but. Uh, here we go. Moving forward, the Dallas Cowboys of America's team. Chris Wessling, you wrote up the offseason forecast on that, so I will throw it to you now. Uh, first of all, what's changing and what's going on with the Cowboys? Well, what's
2: changing is Monte Kiffin has kind of been dethroned by Rob Marinelli, who's taking over the defense, and Scott Linehan, the Watch former the Lions offensive coordinator, has brought, been brought in to call plays. Those things are changing they probably will not have Miles Austin next year, which, you know, they haven't had him for the most of the right. past three years, so that's not a huge deal. And Jason Hatcher is the big free agent to watch. Uh, at midseason last year, Greg and I had mentioned that he was a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. At age 30, this, he's coming off his best season of his career. He, he wants to get paid. And stop me if you've heard this before the Cowboys have salary cap problems, major, major salary cap problems. But Greg said that doesn't matter.
4: I don't think it matters that much. They can get around it this is a team want to. where
2: I think this is a team where it matters. They don't have many obvious candidates to cut f- to free up salaries. Could you ever see them cutting to Marcus Ware? No. We talked about this um, last on uh, last week's podcast. Greg and I both said that we didn't think he'd be cut.
4: It's just it doesn't make sense to me for them to cut him. But there are other areas of this team where the salaries are a little bloated. They pay too much to their stars, and that's the problem when you take Jerry Jones' approach. You have a top-heavy roster, and the middle of it is not that good.
2: This team is not built on free agents, but like Greg said, their problem is they just re-sign their own players to contracts that nobody else would sign them
3: to. Even the kicker got a monster deal through 2020. (laughs) I know that was, uh, you know, in some ways created to help the salary cap, but it still seems a little absurd.
4: Also... You know, they they could lose Hatcher and Anthony Spencer. So they're both free agents. Their defensive line was supposed to be a strength last year. It turned out to be a big weakness because they're injury-prone and old. You have to wonder if they're willing to keep spending big money on these guys who can't stay on the field. And as much as I like Hatcher, you mentioned he's entering his age 32 season, and that you know that's the type of contract that tends to come back and haunt well, you. Well, know? you say, will they – be willing
1: to keep doing this yes they will because yeah. the core issue and the reason that dallas remains one of the more depressing teams to ponder <laughs> each offseason is because jerry jones is the guy that is miscalculating these moves over and over and he is a guy that will not be replaced because he won't fire himself he said he
4: would if his performance were duplicated by another <laughs> man but he won't fire himself
3: i don't think is going anywhere
4: they're another team in the market for I don't, like, a wide receiver. I don't Not f- a big-name guy, but maybe like a Burleson or a low-level free agent that can get on off the field. They're better off with Cole
2: Beasley than Nate Burleson.
4: I agree, but I think they need to sign someone that can just take snaps because it's a very thin position.
3: Antonio Holmes.
2: And for the record, I don't feel sorry prediction. for Cowboys fans just because Jerry Jones is running the show. You know what? You got a good 8-8. Eight and eight. You could be the Cleveland Browns or the mid-90s Cincinnati Bengals or the Lions for a while ago. Quit crying. You've right, got, and you you got will, a decent GM.
1: You will be hoisted up on national television 14 times next season no <laughs> right. matter what you do. Yeah. And
2: you have those titles to
4: look back on, so give me a break. Are, Mark,
3: with. are you okay with West citing the Browns as a franchise that you'd be mm. less off? Dang. I think that was off. factual. <laughs> oh, Okay. You're more docile today. Just
2: dealing in facts. Wes is providing information. Dan is now standing in the middle
4: of the pot stirring it. (laughs) We we actually talked about this plan ahead of time right towards the end. Wes just throwing that brown jab set off Mount Sessler for another explosion. That's totally accurate because
1: we do have a few people in our own office that walk around moping about the Cowboys and it's you aren't even in that zone. You aren't even in that nation.
2: And Jerry Jones isn't the worst GM in the league. Like, he's just not. He's like 29th. No, he's nah, in the, probably in the middle.
3: I liked it better when Mark didn't have a tranquilizer dart sticking out of his jugular. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody, get excited. It's that time we've been waiting for it. It's really one of the most successful games in the history of the internet. Um, that's unsubstantiated, <laughs> but I like to think that the best of iTunes and the, and the Stitcher, a lot of it goes back to this game, <laughs> which is, as we all know, we- 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 jo- 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 Wes's toaster I'm excited So I've been saying Wes You Downstairs The man is Very confident Mark Greg I don't know If you've noticed this Oh yeah There's a Tyson In Tokyo February 1990 Glow to him And I feel like He's ripe to get Picked off
4: I think we could Call it a gleam I'm barely paying attention at all. I'm not sure why. I Greg even is now.
3: He, no, Greg has progressed to the stage where he's <laughs> pretending not to like it. It went from legitimately disliking it to indifference and not showing up for the podcast on those days to now pretending to be out, but secretly in. By uh, three months from now, you'll be jumping out of your chair during the segment.
4: <laughs> I don't know if secretly in is it, but I'm, I'm tolerant.
3: <laughs> um, all right. The gold standard behind the glass. This is uh, the gold standard's maiden maiden voyage of win West's toaster. Um, how are you feeling? Because there's some pressure on you as well, Zach.
1: Yeah, a little bit. Let's hope for smooth sailing.
3: Okay, so you screened. I know we got some tweets, both Mark and I. I don't know if Wes and Greg did, but... Some people that did not make it out of the elimination chamber, the Gold Standard elimination chamber, the screening process—is that true?
1: Yes, they're not in my basement. Don't worry.
3: Okay, That's and fine. they seem pretty distraught about it.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it, look, it's a dog-eat-dog world out there. I can't, <laughs> I can't help it if if you haven't got the chops to uh, to step to the best. I know? like how Gold Standard over the course of like a month and a half has become utterly Machiavellian.
4: I'm sorry.
3: <laughs> yeah. It was always there. It's just we need to get to learn. How do you think? You, how do you
4: think you got here?
3: Yeah, he it out. <laughs> All right, so the gold K. got another job yeah right <laughs> do we have someone on the line to start the game
1: we do indeed and i so will bring him up right now his name is kevin and he is from saskatoon saskatchewan
3: kevin from saskatoon saskatchewan is that being pr- pronounced correctly i'm a little off on my yeah, Canada stuff perfect. how are you buddy welcome to the around the league podcast and win West's toaster uh i'm pretty nervous Ah, don't be nervous. Let's start well, with buddy. an easy
2: one, Kevin. Who is the greatest player in Rough Riders history?
3: I don't know. Come
4: don't on, you're from them. Saskatoon. I
3: know. I don't know what any of this means.
4: How could you be nervous? You've already survived an upbringing in Saskatoon. You're, tough, you're tougher <laughs> than any of us. I try to forget most of it.
3: <laughs> so, Kevin, who's your NFL team? Green Bay. All right, the Green Bay Packers. Who knows? That might be a question when Wes toaster. Kevin, do you know the rules of the game? All right, I'm going to go over them anyway to our new listeners of the show. Win Wes's Toaster is a game of skill and valor uh, in which the contestant attempts to win Wes's toaster that the ability of the toaster, Mark, and correct me if I'm wrong, is uh, to emblazon a team logo like the Packers against toast and then consume that toast.
1: Yeah, and it's a a device
2: that promises not to burn bread ever. It almost has (laughs) mythical powers. It can... It can imprint the logo of all 32 teams.
4: I've heard from a listener that they didn't think the toaster was real, that the toaster doesn't really imprint logos on oh. of all 32 teams that it's just kind of one of these things we make up, which we do make up some things from time. This is real. This, this is, is, is real. an unbelievable toaster and you can't buy it anymore on the internet. It's out of print, it's out of sale.
1: It that's also true. has a 33rd imprint for the London team.
2: <laughs> but when that's that, the, see, that's,
3: there's that's, a shadowy league figure upset uh, with you about for letting that info out.
2: There's uh, a rumor that the Lombardi Trophy will soon be replaced by this toaster.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and that could be yours, Kevin. So here are the rules for people that haven't um, listened before. Uh, Both Kevin, the contestant, and Wes will get six questions, the same six questions, and they will answer them. Wes will be in a soundproof other side of the glass scenario. He will not be able to hear Kevin, who will go first. Uh, Whoever gets the most questions right in the 60-second time limit wins the toaster. If the two players tie, the tie is broken by the time in which... The questions were answered, so keep that in mind, Kevin. Tell us when to stop the clock if you want to go back to something, or if you want to stop the clock because that breaks the tie. Okay. All right, let's do it. Wes, be gone. There he goes. The gold standard, um, as as we know, Mark Sessler is the official timer of uh, Win Wes's toaster. It's also there's a lot of pressure on Mark. You, you could feel it.
1: Well, I botched it the first time out, um, hoping to do it correct this time.
3: All right, Mark's going to set the timer at 60 seconds. And, uh, Gold Standard, at the start of the music, I will begin the questions. Let's do it. Thurman Thomas is the all-time leading rusher in Buffalo Bills history. Who is second? Uh, pass. Who was the head coach of the Cleveland Browns in their heartbreaking losses to the Broncos in 1986 and 1987 NFL playoffs uh, pass who was the Raiders coach during the team's blowout loss to the Bucks in Super Bowl 37 uh, Gruden who led the NFL in receiving yards during the 2013 season Uh, 2013 season Josh Gordon 10 seconds What former Saturday Night Live cast member Was critically panned analyst On ABC's Monday Night Football In 2000 and 2001 Time uh, Alright You got one eh, That was rough Let's bring Wes in and let's not reveal how he how Anything Kevin can happen. Did. Anything can happen. Wes has been summoned back into the room. This We'll see what happens. Wes looks like a man that is confident. You ready, Wes?
2: You're not going to tell me how many I need, are you? Of course not. <laughs> okay. Start the clock.
3: Bang. Thurman Thomas is the all-time leading rusher in Bill's history. Who is second? O.J. Simpson. Who was the head coach of the Cleveland Browns in their heartbreaking losses to the Broncos in 1986 and 1987 NFL playoffs? Marty Schottenheimer. Who was the Raiders coach during the team's blowout loss to the Bucks in Super Bowl thirty seven? John Gruden. Who led the NFL in receiving yards during the 2013 season? Josh Gordon. What former Saturday Night Live cast member was a critically panned analyst on ABC's Monday Night Football in 2000 and 2001?
2: The misunderstood genius of Dennis Miller. <laughs>
3: <laughs> the Atlanta Falcons selected Michael Vick with the first pick in the 20, 2001 draft. What team did they trade t- with to acquire that pick? I believe it was the Chargers. Stop the clock. Got it. Five out of six. Chris Wessling, you keep your toaster. All right. <clears throat> what did I miss? You missed.
4: Um. I'll you tell said you what Gruden was the Raiders coach. Think about that. Bill person. Callahan. In
3: the oh, Houston yeah, yeah, show. yeah, Gruden actually went to Tampa that year and they won got, the Super Bowl. Yeah, game. that's
2: true. That's so, interesting. Is your competitor he, said the same thing. Wasn't he traded for first and third round draft
3: picks? <laughs> that's correct. And they used that first hmm. pick on Ladanian Tomlinson, the number five overall. Kevin, thank you very much for trying. It's a very difficult game. Kevin got one out of five. Um, it's, you know. This happens. Yeah. Ooh, well, right. Wes it's shook me off my game when he asked me about the riders. So <laughs> <laughs> that was my strategy. It's tough
4: once you yeah. get into the arena. It's not the same as if you're just hanging out and getting the exactly. questions.
3: Exactly. I've always said that. And Greg, you put it very well. Goodbye, Kevin. All right. Goodbye.
4: Thanks, Kevin. Impressive, though. You got the Chargers. See, they thought that question was too hard, and I said, "That's a, that's Wasn't a good one." Tomlinson involved oh, guess, in that it. trade. What's up? No. Yeah, but he got it. No, but Tim Dwight was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was it? T- it wasn't Tomlinson, but it was Merriman and Nate
3: Kading and Cleveland Tim passed on drafting
1: yeah. Ladainian Tomlinson to pick big money
4: Gerard Warren.
3: All right, let's get. Money. <laughs> All right, we have one more uh, contestant. Is that true? The gold standard.
4: It is indeed. Let's all right. Gold up. standards feeling a little heat right now.
3: It's I a, know his handpicked contestant there was not. That was competitive. not You know, cri- like the Broncos. Kevin the seemed like a nice goal. guy, uh, but it just didn't work out. That was
1: Gold Standards uh, Joe Banner right
2: there. I'd hate <laughs> to see the riff raff that was eliminated from the elimination chamber. If that guy. Well, it is tougher.
3: Well, he apparently he must have done well to get to this stage. Right. But he was like
4: he was nervous. He was like Bill Callahan in his first year, <laughs> got there, but then after that, it all fell apart.
3: Well, we wish him well, Greg. (laughs) All right. Our next contestant is Bernard from... Brooklyn. Bernard Mm. from Brooklyn. I love that.
4: Are you named after Bernard King? Um, no. That's a Actually, fair question. That'd be a question. whole lot
3: cooler if you were. He, he and I are about the same age, so there's yeah. no oh, okay. possibility of that. <laughs> Bernard, I want, you, I want you to know that um, we tried to call you once, and the gold senders was going to move on, and then I heard that you were a Jet fan, so I said, let's try him one more time. So just being a Jet fan is already a victory right there. Dan,
2: I appreciate that. I am a Jet fan <laughs> like you. I am a longtime Jet season ticket holder.
3: Oh, wow. Here so we go. We and, suffer together. And, and
2: much and much like Wes, I am a former mailman. so I understand All, right. Oh, All right. Sweet.
3: <laughs> Who's not rooting for Bernard right now? I do <laughs> <certainly> no, no. <laughs> Wes is on his toes. <laughs> and, end this
4: game, Bernard.
3: I have a good <laughs> I'm rooting for <laughs> Bernard. He sounds awesome. All right. Bernard knows the rules. Wes is going behind the glass. And we are about to play another round of Win Wes's Toaster. At the start of the creepy music, we will begin. This quarterback was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1985 despite throwing 47 more interceptions than touchdowns in his career. Dan South. Who was the MVP of Super Bowl 48? Oh, uh, Jesus Christ.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Pass.
3: Name the well-traveled safety who was low hit on Tom Brady ended the quarterback's 2008 season in week one. Pass. How many interceptions did Joe Flacco throw during the 2012 postseason? Five. What Patriots defender was credited with the tackle of David Tyree after his famous helmet catch in Super Bowl 42? Pass. This wide receiver has seven 1,000-yard seasons since being drafted third overall in the 2000. Three NFL draft, Anquan Bolden. All right, stop. Uh, do you want to go back? Yeah, let's go back. All right, name th- time. All right, what was the? Sorry. What was sorry. What was the name? We, which question did we pass on?
4: We passed on two. The first two.
3: All right, we'll give you one more. Uh, who was the MVP of Super Bowl Forty-Eight?
2: Jesus Christ, man! I just saw it. Um, uh, the MVP of Super
3: Bowl Forty-Eight is a linebacker from the. Five seconds. Oh God! Oh.
1: Time.
3: All right. Malcolm. Oh
2: God! You know why couldn't I think of Malcolm Smith? Why? <laughs> it <a> man- <laughs> it's
3: tough. <laughs> Bernardo, you're gonna you're gonna die when you hear the answer to number one. Also. All right. Okay. Let's bring in Wes. 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 Here he is. Wes. I will not tell you how Bernard did. Um, just know you better. You got to perform. That's the only way. That's the only thing I'll, I'm gonna say to you. You have to perform. Okay. Start the clock. This quarterback was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1985 despite throwing 47 more interceptions than touchdowns. Joe Namath. Who was the MVP of Super Bowl 48? Which one was 48? I don't know. Uh, Malcolm Smith. Name the well-traveled veteran safety whose low hit on Tom Brady ended the quarterback's 2008 season in week one. Bernard Pollard. How many interceptions did Joe Flacco throw during the 2012 postseason? Zero. What Patriots defender was credited with the tackle of David Tyree after his famous helmet catch in Super Bowl Forty Two? Rodney Harrison. This wide receiver has seven one thousand yard seasons since being drafted third overall in the two thousand three NFL Draft.
2: Sounds like Larry
3: Fitzgerald. Stop the clock. Five correct. That's a five nothing win over All Bernard at right. Brooklyn. Wow! Wow, <laughs> Wesley, you are. You are unbelievable. <laughs> thank you, Bernard. <laughs> and, and Bernard, even though you got Joe Namath wrong, we will not, yeah. we'll never let anybody know at the Meadowlands that that happened. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Thank you for playing, Bernard, and thank you for listening. It just again, this was Wes's day. There's a this is a dynasty coming together right now.
2: Which uh, which one did I get wrong?
3: Um, you got Andre Johnson wrong. Ooh, I liked Bernard. Bernard was a good guy, and he's a Jeff fan. It all checks out that he'd be a good person, tortured person. That's it for this episode of the Round League. Wait, right, let me just do this. Wes, congratulations.
2: Thank you, Dan. Feeling pretty good about this.
3: <laughs> you, I mean, you've, after, this is dominating. He had a 5-1 uh, win and a 5 nothing win. This
2: was
1: 89-49ers right here.
4: I'm Well, he has no control over <laughs> the quality br- right. of people calling in and how well they do. We're bringing that's, K-Rich back. That's on Zach. <laughs> It Listen, would be more West, impressive
2: to have a pair of West five took four. took care victories. of his own business. We got
4: to start opening this up. Let me and Sessler take a crack at him, and I don't think West will have a toaster anymore. <laughs> oh, I, th- I think I feel
3: pretty good about that. Uh, you know, Wait, uh, there
2: were no corporate stadium names on that list. I, I studied all of them. <laughs> That's <laughs> I, what I like to do. I know all of the stadium names, and you'll never for- be forgiven for this. All right,
3: uh, Goldsander, we'll give you a pass this time around. Listen, there's only so much you can control as well. You're very kind, and uh, you know we'll bring this game back one one, one month from now. It could be sooner because. Greg might be like, oh, get it back, get it back in the rotation. (laughs) Um, But for now, we have to go. That's it for today's episode of the Around the League podcast. We will be back on Monday, and we'll uh, get into more NFL goodness as we lead up to the Combine. This is Dan Hansis signing off for the mailman, the sizzler, the boss, and the gold standard behind the glass. Until Monday.
4: Moments of the season at prices that feel just as good discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first like worthington and liz claiborne for her each in women's petite and plus sizes here spring comes in all shapes sizes and colors jc
0: make everybody count hey guys you know what this playground could use a wine country huh a redwood forest would be cool ski slopes wait